Welcome to Process This, a podcast for the sterile processing community. The Healthcare Sterile Processing Association, HSPA, invites you to log on, listen and learn twice a month. Now it's time to process this with your host, clinical educator, John Wood. Welcome to the Process This Podcast. This is episode number 67. Thanks for joining me. I hope that you are doing well. I hope that you are enjoying your summer. So I live in the great state of Texas, and I just looked at the forecast for the next like 10 days, and it looks pretty dismal. It's a little depressing. Although... There is hope the forecast is calling for a cold front this weekend, and the high may drop down to right around 99, possibly 98. So that's pretty exciting, something to look forward to. Well, wherever you are at, I hope that you are staying cool and you are able to enjoy uh, your summer or the rest of your summer. It seems like it's almost over, unfortunately. Well, today on the show, I am going to look at some articles about leadership. Now, don't tune out now, because I know that when someone talks about leadership, some of you out there just automatically tune out and think it doesn't really apply to you. Well, I don't really see it that way. I feel that the more you can learn about leadership, whether you're in a leadership position or not, the more you learn about leadership, the more you can learn about yourself. And it's also an opportunity to learn about how and the why leaders make decisions. It's kind of like that saying, walk a mile in someone else's shoes. So we're going to look at some articles and discuss some leadership. But before we dive into that, I have a few announcements for you. So help set the path for sterile processing endoscope certification. Do you process and manage endoscopes? Do you want to demonstrate to leadership and your peers that you have the knowledge and skills necessary to safely and effectively pre-clean, test, decontaminate, inspect, disinfect, or sterilize, transport, and store endoscopes? Well, hey, you're in luck. HSPA Certification in Endoscope Reprocessing, the CER exam, is getting an update. And we want you to be a part of this exciting and important process. So from September 1st through the 15th, so just a short window there, September 1st through the 15th, HSPA will offer a pilot test for the newly updated CER exam. So as an incentive for your participation in this pilot exam, the exam will be offered for $87.50. Now that is a 30% off the current examination fee if you decide to participate in the pilot exam for the CER certification. Now, for more information on how to take part in the new CER pilot exam and receive that reduced examination rate 
Well, you can go on the myhspa.org website, or what you can do is you can email me directly, because an email was sent out with this, with this information. But if you're like me, that email probably got deleted, or you just simply can't find it. No worries. Just email me, podcast at myhspa.org, and I will be happy to forward you that email with all that information. Again, that's podcast at myhspa.org. All right, next, HSPA 2023 conference presentations are now open. They've been open for a little while, but here's the deal. They closed July 31st. So the conference this year is in Nashville, Tennessee. It's a great place to be. I've, I've been to several conferences there. Love Nashville. So the conference is going to deliver a wide mix of educational workshops and presentations to showcase new ideas and methods of process improvement within the sterile processing field. So if you have some sort of expertise in an area and you would like to share that education information directly to sterile processing folks, right? If you have some sort of story to tell that would benefit our profession, then we want to review your proposal. So here's the key. All presentations need to be submitted no later than 11.59 p.m. Central Standard Time on July 31st, 2022. Now the proposals that are being accepted are conference lecture sessions, those pre-con Saturday hands-on labs and workshops. Uh, If you feel like you're ready to do that, or if you want more information, go to the myhspa.org website. You can find information right there on the landing page on that site. Or again, you can contact me, podcast at myhspa.org, and I will send you that information. And then the last thing I have for you is send us your SPD team photos and uplifting Sterile Processing Week messages. So Sterile Processing Week will be here before you know it. It always creeps up on us. This year, Sterile Processing Week is October 9th through the 15th. So it's never too late to start planning for that SPD week. In the September-October issue of Process, we're going to spotlight sterile processing teams like yours. Exciting and innovating celebration ideas and offering valuable tips for gathering other departments and executives involved in supporting, acknowledging, and celebrating professionals like you. So you need to submit your uplifting SPD Week messages and team department photos, including any captions, to the communications director, Julie Williamson, within the next few days. It's coming up July 18th. Okay, now these are going to be for publication considerations in our magazine. But if you have, if you send some after that, it looks like the images and messages can also be considered for any social media posts and insights or bi-weekly newsletters. So get that information in, support your department, highlight your department for Sterile Processing Week. Now again, if you need any information, if you need help submitting that information... If you need contact information for Julie, just contact me, podcast at myhsp.org, and I will get you that information you seek. 
right, so today we are going to talk about leadership. So there's some great articles in the Process publication, the May-June 2022 issue of the Process, that talk about leadership. And you're going to find these in the Hot Topics section of the Process. And I think there's some pretty good articles and, and pretty good information that you can use. So our first article is titled, What Type of Leader Are You? Steps to Become the Best Boss Possible. And this was written by Karen Cherry. Now the article starts off with, Recently I was invited to serve on a panel for a discussion on management and leadership. I sat quietly while listening to the different responses and perspectives. A couple of the other panelists stated, that managers should work beside their staff to understand what's going on in various work areas in efforts to better understand employees' needs. My thought on that recommendation, not necessarily. I do agree that a manager must be aware of the department and the customer's needs, but one of the best ways to approach this is by rounding in sterile processing daily. Rounding with customers, where SPD provides a service. Rounding allows a leader to connect with staff, see bottlenecks in work areas and workflows, and ask questions and answer questions. Shift huddles and staff meetings are also effective times to discuss staff concerns and celebrate department wins. Now Karen says that a wise person once told her, A great coach doesn't play the game with his team. He coaches from the sideline. She goes on to say that I remember my first leadership role transitioning from a technician to a supervisor. A couple of my former peers commented that I had changed. I was baffled by their comments, so much though that she spoke to her grandmother about it and her grandmother said, Karen, if you don't change you are still performing at the same level you were before. She then told her to take the comments as a compliment. From that day on, Karen, she says she put her leadership hat on and worked better to understand what the new role entailed and how she could best serve her department. Now, Karen goes on to say that a leader should stand out from their staff and guide the team to reach established goals. Leadership is a privilege, and someone specifically chose the leader to serve in that role. As leaders, we owe it to ourselves, we owe it to our team to properly lead them, even when tough decisions must be made. When attempting to grow and develop in the leadership role, it is important not to bury yourself in your office or spend your days in the work area doing tasks that are assigned to your team, It is important not to ignore your daily priorities in and or out of the office. It's important not to confuse talking loudly as being passionate or correct about an issue. You can get your point across more effectively by presenting facts and leaving your personal feelings at the door. She also says it's important not to hide or ignore a departmental issue or throw your staff or peers under the bus. It's also important not to get caught up in the departmental gossip, show favoritism, or 
be afraid to challenge an issue that compromises patient safety. Now here are some steps that leaders should take to effectively grow in their role. So things that we should do. You should allow time for the unexpected because the unexpected always surfaces. You should find the answers for yourself. Seek out someone who is credible. Again, keep personal feelings out of situations and stick to those facts. You must also present qualitative, measurable statistics to executive leadership when trying to justify staff or product need. You should know that mistakes will happen and to own them when they do. Be equally fair to all staff members. And last, give credit when and where credit is due. There's nothing wrong with stepping outside the norm and going against the grain to do what is right. But leaders must ensure that their proverbial I's are dotted and their T's are crossed by presenting facts to support the case. Many mistakenly assume that upper management will know that the department needs more staff or equipment. However, that is the job of the department leader. Upper management typically has multiple departments reporting to them and they rely on each department leader to budget for the needs or let them know what the needs are and why. The power of data. I recommend that all sterile processing leaders do a staffing matrix each year. Chances are the surgical case volumes increased and sterile processing assumed additional responsibilities. Upper management expects to see statistics whenever a leader requests more staff or higher dollar equipment purchases. Also, sterile processing leaders must remember that if they are spending all of their time in the work area to keep up with the workload, that will likely convey an inaccurate picture to upper administration and additional employees are not really needed. Leaders should ensure that they are justifying to management that their overtime is needed to keep up with the case volume. The average overtime hours should equate to the number of new positions that the sterile processing leader needs to create. It is beneficial to use a staffing matrix to support how long it takes to complete the task in each area. A leader should avoid requesting more employees if their existing staff are failing to produce or meet reasonable expectations. The same rule applies for equipment request. Asking for more equipment will not be met favorably if existing equipment is not being used to its maximum capacity because the department is not staffed properly to realistically meet the facilities or organization's demands. Remember, if a need cannot be measured, it will not be justified. Whether a leader agrees with upper management's decisions or not, it is important to remember that sometimes decisions must be made that are not favorable to the person or department making the request. It's also worth noting that if a department leader is more concerned about looking good to their staff or making their employees happy than really taking the time to explore how changes would benefit the department, its customers, patients, and the organization that will inevitably result in future problems and disappointments. Leaders should always look inward and ensure that the decisions 
and the requests are being made for the right reasons. How to lead with confidence. Effective leaders pick their battles wisely. They seek mentors who are successful in their own positions and utilize existing resources optimally. No one expects a leader to know everything, but they should be skilled in seeking the best answer and solutions to help the department and its team function safely, effectively, and efficiently. Equally important for sterile processing leaders is to engage with their team while avoiding trying to blend in among them. Employees want a leader who will offer guidance, not service, as another coworker. A good leader demonstrates integrity and honesty. Remember, it's okay to make a mistake, but a leader must own it, learn from it, and move on. Never hide the truth when it comes to patient safety. Strong leaders are also innovative and seek new opportunities after achieving a goal. Good leaders are self-confident, trusting in their own decisions, and actively listening to the needs and concerns of their employees and customers. Leaders must be visionaries who stay current on the latest standards, best practices, processes, and technologies that impact the profession. Moreover, they should be strong communicators who speak up during meetings and whenever necessary to share important information and address needs and challenges with staff members and customers. Finally, strong leaders are effective delegators who empower their employees by assigning tasks and following up to ensure assignments are well understood and being performed safely, effectively, and consistently. Now, Karen strongly recommends that sterile processing leaders alternate their schedules so they can spend time with employees across every shift. It's important to build a relationship with the entire team as well as leaders who provide services to sterile processing. Last but not least, Karen encourages all leaders to strive to maintain healthy work-life balances and inspire their employees to do the same. So good article. All right, continuing on with our leadership topic here, we have an article that has three common challenges when transitioning to a leadership role. Now, the first is knowing the difference between leading and managing. Leaders should inspire, guide, mentor, and share purpose with their team. The second is navigating new social dynamics with former colleagues. Leaders often struggle to manage those who formerly were their peers. And then the third, letting go of the previous role in the department. Out of habit, new leaders often try to continue doing all of their previous work instead of delegating the appropriate task to the appropriate folks. Now the article also gives eight strategies that can make transitioning to a leadership role easier and more effective. Now the first strategy is delegate more responsibility in the current roles. Empowering employees to solve problems that arise instead of always leaning on their managers to tackle challenges. This builds confidence, knowledge, and skills that will help employees thrive in their current role 
and perhaps assume a future leadership role. The second is create low-risk leadership opportunities. Leading others can be daunting for some professionals, but entry-level opportunities that let employees practice and develop leadership skills without excessive pressure can help them gain confidence before pursuing bigger roles. This can be as simple as having a technician lead a meeting discussion or asking an experienced technician to mentor a new employee. Third, establishing a coaching program. Designating a mentor or a coach for employees to talk to and engage with helps transitioning newly promoted employees into the role. Ideally, the coach is someone who has previously secured an internal promotion within the same organization and has experience with making this same transition. Number four, help develop employee soft skills. Strong, effective leaders don't just pose good technical skills. They also pose pertinent soft skills and encourage their teams to hone theirs as well. Soft skills are interpersonal skills and qualities that are not always innate and must be learned, such as transparency, excellent communication, good listening, appreciation and encouragement of teamwork, trustworthiness, effective decision-making, and empathy and other forms of emotional intelligence. Number five, encouraging networking. A healthy professional network is helpful for anyone in a leadership role, but the same holds true for all sterile processing professionals because peers and other industry peers can help share best practices, problem solve, home communication skills, and much more. Number six, allow room for failure and promote greater accountability. Although the pressure for perfection can be great, especially in the healthcare setting where errors can directly impact customer service and patient care, outcomes, employees, and new and upcoming leaders should recognize how growth and improvement can come from challenges and past mistakes. Number seven, recognize and reward wins. It's wise to recognize a newly promoted employee's achievements in their role. Doing so helps build their confidence as a leader and encourages them to keep learning and grow in the position. And then last, lead by good example. The best and most powerful approach a leader can take to ease an employee's transition to a leadership role is to be a great leader themselves. Show employees how to handle various scenarios while helping them find their own leadership style. Demonstrate how core values, honesty, and integrity are embraced and implied and can be a great role model. To kind of follow up on these articles, you know, I have had some good leaders and I've had some bad leaders in my career, as I'm sure that you have if you've spent any time in this career. So my personal thoughts on leadership, every leader is different. Everyone's leadership style is going to vary. And I don't really believe that there is such as a thing as the perfect leader, just because we're all different. 
all right? Because we are all human, and believe it or not, leaders make mistakes. You know, I, I've made plenty of mistakes in my career, but the one key is how do you learn from those mistakes? What do you do after you make those mistakes? What is your response? Now, I remember one time I spent the entire day as a leader. I spent the entire day in decontamination. And on that day, I missed a few meetings because the department staff was short. We had a heavy case load. At the time, I felt my decision as a manager to work in the decontamination area was appropriate. You know, it was appropriate to keep the department running. Well, my boss, the director of the operating room, later explained to me that it was also important for me as a manager of sterile processing to be present at those meetings that I missed. Now, do you think that I did the right thing? Yes? Maybe no? Well, the answer is yes and no. By missing the meetings, I lost out on important information being discussed that sterile processing needed to have a voice in. So decisions were being made without sterile processing input. And those decisions affected sterile processing directly. On the other hand, by working in the decontamination area all day long, the department was able to function as normal. We were able to provide the support needed for the operating room. We, you know, we didn't leave a ton of work for the second shift and third shifts. We were able to have all the cases ready for the first start and the rest of the next day. Can you kind of see how sometimes leaders' decisions can be complicated? You know, sometimes when you're working for a leader, you don't see, you know, everything that they're dealing with. Kind of another example, when I was in the military, in field med school, I had this drill sergeant who I can honestly say that I hated. And hate's a pretty strong word. We did not get along. We were not friends. And honestly, he could have cared less about me, right? So the feeling was mutual. In fact, uh, one day we were on the shooting range, and one of the rules on the shooting range is that the barrel of the rifle always points in the direction of the downrange target. You never point the rifle, the barrel of the rifle, in any other direction. Okay, if you don't keep that rifle pointed downrange, then the range master and also my drill sergeant, you know, they are instructed, and these are their words, they are instructed, again, their words, to put a bullet in my head. Now, this is the rule, and that rule was put in for the safety of everyone on the gun range, okay? Now, the only problem is, is I'm pretty sure that my drill sergeant was more than eager to carry out these instructions because he stood uncomfortably way too long around me, right? Just with this grin on his face, just, just kind of wanting me to mess up, right? I can also remember at one time uh, during this field med school training that this drill instructor, he said, Wood, and, that, and that's what you call it. That's what they call you in the military. They always use your last name. He said, Wood, don't make me snap your scrawny little pencil neck in two. Now, you might think that this was friendly banter. No. He meant every word of it. 
The point here is that I didn't like him as a leader. Those were my personal feelings toward the man. I did not care for him. I hated being there. He made it miserable. Now, compared to the other leaders in the other groups, he was definitely the hardest on us. And I've got stories. I've got plenty of stories to back this up. But here's the point. In the end, he did his job well. He prepared us for life in combat situations. He prepared us the best he could, showing us a glimpse of the realities when it comes to combat. So in that, he was a great leader. He did his job and he did it well. And I appreciated that. Again, my personal feelings was I didn't really like him. All right, I didn't like being there. So was he a good leader or was he a bad leader? All right, I was miserable most of the time, so you'd think he was a bad leader. But it turns out he was actually a pretty good leader. So those are the kind of things you got to think about when you're in leadership or when you're following somebody, right? Try to walk a mile in their shoes. Try to understand, you know, where they're coming from. Well, that's all the time we have for today. HSPA episode number 67 is in the books. Thanks for listening to the show. To receive the CE for this episode, simply click on the link in the episode notes, log on to that MyHSPA website, and make sure you use the code PRESENTATION. Again, the code for this episode is PRESENTATION. Remember, keep an ear out for the next episode always on the 1st and 15th of every month. Each episode's on demand, so when you're ready for us, we'll be there for you. As always, stay classy, and we'll see you next time.